right? <laughs> if you can say hi and bye, you all right. But that's but when you get home, you got to stand up to get out of that wheelchair, and your blood yes. pressure is going to plummet when you stand up, and that's why you don't feel good. And so the idea that you can leave under a hundred is just ludicrous. I mean, we want people to be over a hundred blood pressure to drive their car. And right. I think it should be the same for you to get out of that chair to walk in your house. Right. And so that's, yeah. that's where we're failing uh, the patients is that, you know, technicians are basically being, being bullied. I mean, if right. you've got two years as a technician and a nurse tells you something, you're scared. I mean, yeah. it's only because I had all that experience that I wasn't intimidated by nurses that I worked with. Um, Absolutely. Somebody with two years, they're going to be intimidated. Right. Right out the gate. I mean, that nurse is going to tell them what to do. And, you know, quite frankly, we are working under the nurse's license. Um, but, you know, that nurse may not know you as well as I know you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I may see you three days in that week and that nurse might see you one. She right. can't make that decision based on that one time she saw you. And I can because I saw you three times. Right. And so um, it used to be that there was a better relationship, but they kind of ruined that relationship so they could get compensation. Right. See. And so yeah. that's, that's the dynamics behind all of that. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you think for a fact, I mean, that nurses really do know. I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, you're rushed through and, and you get maybe three months or something. I mean, come on. And then you come out and get hired. I mean, Mo, I had no idea, like, what was even going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, walk in that position, you know, and, and me as a practitioner, like, I think it's so funny. Um, nurses act a lot like they know what they're they're doing. Um, and they like to pretend, but yeah, it's just not the case all the time. When you're dealing with practitioners that say always and never, I mean, it's, it's never a good idea. Um, you know, I'd be real uncomfortable. I'd be looking for guys like you. And I did. I mean, yeah. we had long conversations and, yes, um, you came in the center to see your dad, like yeah. frequently that was before COVID and all that. So I should just say, but you and your brother came in a lot and sat with your dad and, and, and then we had a lot of conversations. Um, yeah. And I think that that's another, to happen. And that, that was another thing, the dynamics of having the um, continuity of care. I know you'd always look, you know, look to have dad. Um, yes. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Um, you know, you, you two single-handedly, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say whistleblowers, but, you were the um, the bad cog in the whole thing, you know. Yeah. Instead of being proud, you know, and saying, "Hey, you guys, like, man, you really, you know, I think this is important for you know people to know." Maybe they'd be a little bit more compliant. Yes. Um, so, so many times you see it that you just, and, and it's the dynamics of of where you work at Newark. I mean, it's a poor community, and um, you know, so you do see a lot more you know, non-compliance with, I mean, anything from diet. I mean, these people, you know, they, they, they probably been on the system. They can't afford the foods that they need. Right. I mean, right. When you start talking about disability and you start saying, okay, I, you need to eat, 
you know, lean meats and, and fruits and vegetables. And those, those things are very expensive. Right. Um, they can't afford those. And so yeah. they eat what they can afford, which just happens to be a bad thing for their kidneys. Usually it's high in sodium. Yeah. And so they're doomed. I mean, it's not their fault. You know, by the time all of this stuff went on with me and your dad and, you know, I got all that stuff down and, and the doctor was actually listening a little bit. Right. Um, I got called in the office and they told me they figured out what I was doing. It took them a minute, but they figured it out. So they brought me in the office and they said, Maurice, you can't give more than 200 cc's of saline without without asking a nurse. And so it was kind of like. They could, you know, they just kept trying to figure out ways that they could belittle me. Right. But all they were doing was just making themselves run crazy because I was going to do what I was going to do anyway, because I knew what was best for them. And so, um, you know, I just kind of figured out a way. I just figured out a way to make it work within the dynamics of what they do. Uh, But by the end of it, I mean, they were treating me like I was someone who had less than a week of experience. Um, I, I know, and you trained everyone in there. That's another. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, I was a preceptor. Did. Pretty much any everybody in there. Um, so, but one I thing think... I wanted to comment on was the people that that you trained, like Brooke. Mm-hmm. I mean, you was right. Brooke was intimidated by the nurses and shit. But yes. anyway, uh, she did the best that she could, yes. and you know that nurse would say something to her and. Uh, Brooke would look at me and then she'd give me them high eyebrows like, wow. <laughs> anyway, and then if do you, do you remember Erica? Yes, I do. My God, she was, she was an angel. Yes. And, yes. and I'm sorry. She, I mean, she listened, she must have listened to you too much because she had a mind of her own. She and, did. She and, was really a strong person. She yes, did really, really well. Right, and she and she told me everything. I mean, yes. you know, like you, you start know, out just beautiful people. I mean, yeah, yeah, had to do with good bars. But, <laughs> but I know I pass that on, right? Yeah, I'm gl- I'm glad you passed that on to Brooke. Uh, I'm sure that made her a better, That's better good. tech and a better mm-hmm. nurse. Yeah, it's what she was striving for. Yeah. So, well, that's great. Really, really proud of you there. The way you oh, influenced those two. Thank you. Uh, they kind of took over when you left off, but they didn't. Right. Erica went as far as quitting. Yeah, yeah. You know, she, she told me, she says, they're going to kill somebody in here. Yeah, she and left. She's she, actually she uh, at one of the other centers in Columbus now. So oh, is she? she is. Yeah. I know her parents. So uh, that's, just, great. You know, that's one of those things by being in the same you know city and being in my hometown, I knew a lot of the people. So yeah. I knew her parents. So, um, but you did make me well, and you made me a good, strong person. Good. good. That good. It was, uh, I could just save one. And if you're the one that I save, I mean, it was well worth everything, every minute of it. Um, well, from the, from the day I walked in there, you made me comfortable. Good. I mean, good. when I came in, you know, you, was, you started explaining what you was going to do. And uh, and you started encouraging me, like saying, Jeff, you're going to feel better. Uh, yeah, I remember. Know? Yeah, I remember. They tried to foil it, but I wasn't having it. <laughs> 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 they were determined, but I was I was more determined. So my question is, how do we affect change? 
Like, how do we take this dynamic and have that spread? I mean, already, you know, Maurice is one person, but he does everything that he can do. And, you know, we try to inspire others to inspire others, you know, and, and try to pass it along. But systematically, is there something that anybody can think of that could help shift that? I think um, this is a perfect example, right? What we did. Um, I think this is a perfect example. I hope people see this. I hope they, uh, I hope technicians are empowered um, to stand up. I mean, you do need a little bit of experience to do that. Um, I think that dynamically right now, because of COVID and everything that's went on, I think you have younger technicians uh, in dialysis centers now because all the people that were with experience like me, they left the industry. They were, they were pushed out. And yeah. so, you know, I think centers figure out, you know, if I got young people and I mold them the way I want them to be, I don't have this dynamic that shows up, but it's going to show up because people care. When you are a dialysis technician, if you care about people, you're going to arrive at the same conclusions that I arrived at. Uh, but you have to care. Right. Um, right. It, it can't be just a job like uh, you working at McDonald's and you just bring out the fries. No, you have to you have to care about the people you take care of. And I think if that dynamic exists and we get here. Well, it's it's even like with peritoneal dialysis, like they celebrate and they, they do all this uh, patient education and and, um, you know, after they get done, you know, I, I think it should be mandatory that, well, we need what we what we really need is uh blood pressure control. I mean, if you look at, uh, the patient populations, um, you know, native Americans, African Americans, like, and, but they're all the poor people that, yeah. that suffer the most. Mm -hmm. And because it's easy to pass a pill off, they don't, you know, they, they teach nothing. You know, dad was exposed to agent orange and, wow. you know, I, I think part of the reason he, he got a, uh, a kidney is because uh, he was a, a combat veteran. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, probably played a role in it. But I mean, not only, I mean, for hemodialysis, um, there needs to be mandatory education that I, I don't think, you know, happens like it should. And no. there, there needs to be a standard set, you know. Yeah, it's it's too little too late. I mean, we, we have right. education programs, but they're not offered to people who aren't on dialysis yet right which and that's where that's where it should start yes i mean it should start at ckd which is 60 percent kidney right. function it starts yeah. at 15 percent. i mean yeah. we got a long way to go there's a lot of percentages between there that we could be educating people and, and helping them uh you know understand what's happening to them we we i know right now me and i have talked about it um patients can be put on the transplant list before they ever go into a dialysis center and have a treatment. But 99% of the patients don't know that. Right. Well, uh, that's, and that's true, Mo. Yeah, they just don't know. And so, you know, that's why we're doing what's to do with dialysis so that people can ask those questions. So they can go away from these conversations and say, hey, you know, you told me that I'm at 25% and you haven't even asked me about transplant. Right. You haven't even asked me, do I have a family member that wants to give me a kidney? All you keep telling me is you want me to go to this center. This is the address. And this is the day I need to show up. And you don't even tell me what to expect. Right. Absolutely. And then and then there again, they get on dialysis and 
you know, it's all magic to them. They're hooked up to a machine. No one, no one does any kind of education. No. They go home and eat pizza and, and do whatever. I mean, no one is yeah. doing anything. Um, and you know, it is, it, it's a, it is a factory and it is a moneymaker, unfortunately, you know, um, in any industry, um, you know, an empty chair and ain't stuff in someone's pocket. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Chair isn't, isn't making them any money. I, I tell you the other thing is Mr. Butler, do you remember any training, um, that the company would give you? I think we would pass out these pieces of paper and have you sign that you got the paper. For but, your labs and stuff. Yeah. But oh. nobody would ever go over the paper with you. We just right. hand it to you and ask you to sign. Absolutely. Uh, for, well, unfortunately, I have a pretty smart wife, and uh, like I say, my son's a nurse, and uh, my wife would always look up the results, you know, exactly what they were, and uh, how I was doing. Right, uh, right. And then, so then there's the answer. You know, there's the answer. It, you know, we all you have had to get it yourself. Yeah, your family has to be an advocate for you, and they have to. Absolutely, yeah, that's for sure. And I'm. Um, I'm proud to call you family. I mean, yes, you are family, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you tell Mrs. Butler, I said, hello. I have well, seen I her. she'd come out here and add. Right, to this. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's always, it was, we always talked a lot, me and her as well. Yes. When you were there, uh, she'd come pick you up and come in and sit with you for a while before we got you off the machine. Right. Uh, the nutritionist, the last one I had, uh, the first one and then the last one, uh, they was a real good help uh, at DeVita. And good, good, good. But good. like I say, my wife always made sure that I, you know, followed uh, the diet. You know, they'd hand out those brochures of what you should and yeah. should be doing. Yes. You know, and uh, my wife, I mean, she, she even read the labels at the grocery store. Absolutely. You have to. <laughs> you have yeah, to. She, she says that's why it always took her an hour more in the store because she had to read every label. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was well worth it. You see the outcome, right? You see the, the success that you're yes. having, how you feel. Uh, All of that is a testimony to your family and, and to your sons, um, man. I sure yeah. appreciate you recommending me for the, the transplant. Yes, uh, absolutely. That uh, one summer, I spent all summer going through the astronaut physical. That's what I called it. Yes. <laughs> for the kidney transplant. Right, right. That's that's about what it is. You got to go you know, to a bunch of appointments. Yeah, a bunch of appointments. You know, you had to do the air chamber thing and uh, the treadmill, and I yeah. forget there was three or four yeah, other things. Dentist. Right, dentist. Yeah, all those uh, things. Yep, I had to have a root canal before I had to transplant. And, uh, yep, I, I know uh, they they make you do a lot. Yep, I had. Uh, I had a great dentist to uh, jump through hoops and make sure that was done. Good. And, uh, well, all in all, you know, like I say, it's been two years since the transplant. Awesome. Uh, wow. And then I figured, uh, well, I'd be on a transplant list. You know, they said two years. Yeah. So yeah. In December, they called me and told me that uh, I was eligible for a transplant uh, in January. 4.30 in the morning, they called me. Wow. And said, we have a kidney for blessing, you. Man. That's a blessing. So they said, pack your bag and come on up. 
Well, I almost get to OSU Hospital, and they called me back. Oh. Said that the family had uh, remorse about it, and uh, go home. <laughs> okay. But, but it wasn't. Two months later, they called me again, and yep. Yep. Uh, so th that that was fast, Mo. Good, good. I'm glad. Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to ask Kyra, um, how's your sis doing? Yeah. She's doing well. Um, she she's always been active. She's uh, kind of a political activist, and she has six children and ten grandchildren. And like she was on peritoneal, and she would take she would go on trips. Like she went to Europe and had her fluid shipped, and so and she was very much an advocate for herself. Like she will do the research. She will stand up for herself. If somebody right. posts her wrong, she'll have switched out. Like. She's that person. And, and so she's, you know, the one thing that she doesn't do is she doesn't slow down. So she needs to kind of slow down a little bit after having her transplant. Um, but she's, she's lost weight. She's very vibrant. And I appreciate you asking. Uh, did, did you see ups and downs with her? I mean, post-transplant, I mean, as far as morale and did I do the right thing? Because I think there for a while, um, you're almost sicker than you know, what you were on dialysis. And, you know, another thing with dialysis, you forge friendships and you get used to seeing those people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was like a whole totally different lifestyle. I mean, right. I had one time told me he was bored not being <laughs> <a> dialysis. <laughs> right. Don't get yeah, to see anybody. Part of your routine. Like for her, though, because she was on peritoneal, oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. she was at home and she did her own thing. And like, yeah, she came to visit me and she like grabbed the coat rack and put her bag up and like we sat and talked while she did her exchange, you know, so she That's was it. very yeah. casual about it and it, you know, she wasn't trying to hide it. So um, that worked for her, you know, it doesn't yeah. work for everyone. Um, and, you know, so after her transplant, I mean, it's only been. Yeah. March. Not even two months. It's only, yeah. it's, it's recent. So yeah. we did have um, right afterwards, she had a minor thing that she had to go in for and, and, but it's the um, the compatibility. I, I forget how. You, yeah, how you, you know, yeah. Oh, rejection factor. Rejection factor. Yeah. And there's like different meds that you have to take to for. Oh, tacrolimus, the tac yeah. levels, and yeah. I'm afraid so, she'll have to take those the rest of her life. Yeah. So she's yeah. just figuring all that out. I mean, she she didn't get her. She went five different times. I think it was until she got mm -hmm. her kidney. Um, the first two times because she wasn't vaccinated, they wouldn't let her have it, and then. I think there's oh, wow. two, two that wound up being bad, and then she finally got it on the fifth time. Now, now is she out in California, too? No, she's actually in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, nice. Man. And, and when she started on dialysis, she was in Pennsylvania. She was in Redding, Redding Pennsylvania. Let's see. Yeah. No, yeah that's good. Good. They're neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she seems real positive, though. Yep. She's definitely – she's – you know, you know, strong woman. She does her thing and she definitely um, is an advocate for others. I mean, she she, she got a nursing degree and then she became a social worker. So she's very yeah. much an yes. advocate for others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, it's, it's tough. We, God bless her. I mean, we interviewed her post transplant as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. We'll be putting that up next. Uh, we um, we're just trying to figure out a couple of logistical things because some of the stuff that I've been putting up 
we wanted to change the quality of it and stuff like that. So we're just figuring that out. But yeah, we'll you'll be seeing that come up here pretty soon as well.